Fauci has used 127 names so far, posed as a mother of 14 children at one time, seven at another, signed up twice with the same caseworker in four days, and once while on welfare, posed as an open-heart surgeon, complete with office. She has three new cars, a full-length mink coat, and her take is estimated at a million dollars. In 1974, the Chicago Tribune ran an article stating that there was a woman living on the South Side that had 24 different aliases, dozens of addresses, and even more social security cards. The article went on to state that she had three cars, a Cadillac, a Lincoln, and a Chevy station wagon. The article went on to say that she owned property all throughout Chicago and that she was even leaving for a tropical vacation in Hawaii. According to the government, there was one problem in achieving all of this. She was doing it fraudulently while collecting food stamps and an Illinois state welfare check. This is the story of Linda Taylor. My name is Antonio Milian and I found this interesting. In 1974, the story of Linda Taylor went viral or whatever the equivalent of viral was in 1974 for a lot of different reasons. This was a time of rampant government fraud. A lot of Americans had the perceptions that their tax dollars were being wasted. There was also a racialized component of Linda Taylor's story that not very many people talk about. From the 1950s up until the 1970s, there was a huge influx of African Americans leaving the South and moving to more industrialized areas. Places like Chicago and New York offered African Americans more job prospects and opportunities opportunities. But there was a downside. A lot of those areas in Chicago, Detroit, New York saw what was called white flight. Now a condensed definition of white flight is when a specific tax base leaves an area and takes those services with them, leaving the people that are there without essential services. And along with taking services, people often take their jobs. And this leaves communities that were under the expectation that they would have jobs and opportunities pendant on government and state and local services to help them. But let's get back to Linda Taylor. We don't know much about Linda Taylor's racial background, but here's what we do know. We know that her mother was white and the man her mother was married to was also white. According to historians on the subject, it's believed that the man her mother was married to was not her biological father. Also, Linda Taylor was born in Gold Dust, Tennessee, a place that had a racial policy against black and white mixing and the children that would come from those relationships. And at the time of Linda Taylor's birth, she wasn't even given a birth certificate, which further adds mystery as to who her biological father might have been. And that would have made sense based on Tennessee law at the time. Black Black men who were seen to have relationships that produced children with white women could face felony charges. Now, for the sake of the podcast, we are going to refer to her as Linda Taylor, but she was actually born Martha Louise White. Her mother eventually got married to a man named Joseph Jackson Miller and renamed her daughter Martha Louise Miller. Now, we really don't know why, but the family moved very suddenly from Tennessee to a place called Summit, Alabama. Once they arrived in Summit, Alabama, the mother made the decision to declare her daughter as white. We don't know why her mother did that, but according to Alabama state law at the time, her mother and her husband could face felony charges if they were seen to have a child that was with a black man. Now, Linda Taylor's life in the South was not easy. So as soon as she got old enough to move, she left. She moved all around the country from the Pacific Northwest to the Northeast, and she eventually landed in Chicago. Now, as Linda Taylor was traveling, she was running scams. And depending on the scam she was running, her race changed. 
changed. Three different census records show that Linda Taylor declared herself a range of different ethnicities. She declared on one census record that she was white, on another she said that she was black, and on another she said that she was Hawaiian. Her scams included telling people that she was a nurse, a doctor, a heart surgeon, a social worker, and even a voodoo priestess. She would tell people that she had degrees and accolades in subjects that she had never taken from countries she had never been to. There were even allegations that Linda Taylor was part of a child theft ring. And on August 8th, 1974, all of this caught up with her because of a simple police report. Linda Taylor filed a police report stating that someone stole $14,000 worth of furs and jewelry from her. The detectives that took the report were very suspicious of everything that Linda Taylor was claiming. And while they were doing their investigation, they recognized Linda Taylor from similar reports that were done in the past. The detectives at that point realized that Linda Taylor was up to something and that she was potentially making false police reports. And while they were doing their investigation, they realized that there was something weird about her home. There were government assistance checks made out to dozens of different people all around her home. And when Chicago police were done doing their investigation, they realized that Linda Taylor was wanted in Michigan for welfare fraud. And in August of 1974, Linda Taylor was arrested. After her arrest, Linda Taylor did manage to post bond. But right after she posted bond, she ran and left the state of Illinois. And overnight, she became a fugitive. And she would remain a fugitive for over two months. Actually, it was October of that same year where police finally found her in Arizona. When prosecutors brought her back to the Midwest, Linda Taylor faced a 31-count indictment. The charges included fraud, perjury, and even bigamy. Now, just a side note, bigamy is the act of getting married to someone while you're already married to someone. But we'll talk more about that later. Now, Linda Taylor was so knee-deep in fraud that even the federal government considered getting involved because while they were searching her house and her apartment, they found social security checks from people that they weren't even sure existed. Linda Taylor used this trial as an opportunity to become an overnight celebrity, and she basked in every moment of it. Her lawyer wanted to paint her as this innocent lady with no financial means, but she was not having that. Linda Taylor would show up to court dressed to the nine. She would wear full length furs, high heels, and elbow length leather gloves. She was unabashed, unashamed, and confident. A lot of Americans saw this and they hated Linda Taylor, including the voice you heard at the beginning. That was former president Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was furious by what he saw Linda Taylor doing and would oftentimes use her as the basis of his campaign speeches. And according to some historians, he would even make up certain things about the situation depending on how conservative his audience was. During the arrest and trial, newspapers all around the country were picking this story up, and one newspaper coined the infamous term welfare queen. After they ran the headline, the welfare queen has been arrested. Luckily for Linda Taylor, she had a really good lawyer. He managed to delay the trial until March of 1977. This managed to get the charges reduced a lot. Originally, the state wanted to charge her for 80 aliases and $100,000 worth of fraud. But thanks to her attorney, they were able to reduce it down to four aliases and $8,000 worth of fraud. 
Now, I don't know what Linda Taylor was paying this man, but she needed to pay him a lot more because she did not make his job easy at all. Now, in 1977, Linda Taylor went to trial and the trial only lasted about three weeks. Now, it only took the jury about seven hours of deliberation. And when they came back, they found Linda Taylor guilty. Now, when Linda Taylor was sentenced, she really didn't have much to say. She was sentenced to two to six years for the welfare fraud and one year for the perjury. Linda Taylor was released on parole on April the 11th of 1980. Unfortunately, things did not get any better for her. If anything, things just got weirder. Linda Taylor was married to a man named Sherman Ray. Now Sherman had a life insurance policy and ironically, an acquaintance of Linda Taylor's saw Sherman and shot him. Now police did investigate the incident because Sherman died, but it came out according to the investigation that it was an accident. Now remember, like I mentioned before, the man who shot him was a very close acquaintance of Linda Taylor's. Very close. Shortly after this man had shot her husband, Linda Taylor and this man started dating. His name was Will True Lloyd, and shortly after they started dating, they got married, and they moved from Illinois to Florida. And just seven years after they said, I do, Will True Lloyd dropped dead of a heart attack. And of course, he had a life insurance policy. The crazy thing about it all was that Linda Taylor had herself listed on his life insurance policy as his granddaughter. She was not listed as his wife on any of his paperwork. They had a very quick funeral for Wiltrue Lloyd and Linda Taylor made sure that his remains were cremated. This may not have been her first rodeo because according to historians, she was involved in crimes that included murder. Now these allegations are all unsubstantiated and were never proven by a court of law. Linda Taylor's own son was quoted in a news special as saying his mother was capable of anything. But after Linda Taylor's husband died in 1992, she spent the rest of her life in relative obscurity. She did get into a couple of bumps with law enforcement after trying to steal federal pension checks. But outside of that, her life was spent relatively carefree. Nobody really knew who she was and she kept a very low profile. And mainly that's because she went by yet another alias that was Linda Lynch. Linda Taylor died in April of 2002 of a heart attack. And even her death was shrouded in mystery because she registered herself in the hospital as Constance. This is episode one of I Found This Interesting, a podcast by Antonio Milian. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to follow the podcast and give it a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Thank you all so much for your support and stay interested.